As we start out, just want to remind you that if you haven't brought your uh, journals here with you, we still have some, but uh, re be reflecting as we go on page uh, 27 of the journal where we talk, ask this question, how is the spirit of generosity in our church a means in which others can come to Christ? How is our generosity going to show Jesus Christ? And so I start out by asking this question. What's the goal of being a Christian? What is our goal? Why, why do we do these things? And I know a lot are going to say, so we can get to heaven, <laughs> you know, and, and there is lots of truth to that. But the goal, according to Paul in Romans 8, is that we be formed into the image of Christ, that we be like Jesus. Now, some I know, uh, it's just about getting to heaven. I, I, I've been around here long enough to know that that's, you know, I've I'm, become I'm a Christian, so I have that bus ticket to get me to eternal life. I remember when I was in Montgomery and uh, leading a, a men's Bible study with, that we had a breakfast, and there's this rascal of a fellow that, would, that showed up, I think, more for the breakfast and Bible study, but hey, getting, you know, getting people to church, and we'll do anything we can, right? And we were talking about being formed in the image of Christ. And I can still hear this fellow say that. I don't know about all that stuff. All I want to do is make the cut. That's all I want to do. I just, I just want to make the cut. And, and I know there are lots of folks out there that say, you know, Lord, you know, I, I don't know about all that other stuff. I just want to make the cut. But to continue with the golfing metaphor, to live into our sweet spot, so to speak, is that we are made to be like Jesus. We are made to show the image of God on this earth. And if we are to live fully into the fullness of the life that God intends for us in Christ, it is to become like Christ. It's therefore to become like God because Jesus is the image of the invisible God as Paul says in Colossians, and as Jesus said, to know the Father, to know me is to know the Father. So what's God like? What is God like? I mean, if you take a poll, I imagine most folks are going to say that God is love, and that's true. God is love. We see that in 1 John 4, God is love. I mean, there it is spelled out, right? Psalm 103, my favorite psalm says, the Lord is merciful and just, slow to anger, and what abound in instead fast love. God is love. God is also just, as it just said in Psalm 103, all the ways of the Lord are just, but just means in biblical terms that everybody gets a fair shake, and that so God is wanting everybody to experience His love. What does it mean to love? What does it mean to love? Well, the most famous verse in all the Bible, I would argue, you see it at football stadiums sometimes when faithful Christians are holding up this verse behind the goalpost when uh, on the rare occasion that Auburn gets to kick an extra point. We'll see this, <laughs> for God so loved the world. Yeah, they won yesterday, by the way. There is one happy person in this church. Amen. Yeah, we, uh, we see God to love the world. Why? He gave, right? He gave. And you, I bet you complete the rest of the verse. His only begotten son to whoever believes in him should not perish, have everlasting life. We all know that. But I want to give you a, an example of God's generosity even before that. It's 
In Psalm 104, I'm going to read it from the screen because, well, um, my eyes are starting to get bad. So just look on Psalm 104. It's a beautiful psalm about God's generosity to all the earth. I'm going to read the verses off the screen. There you go. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the stream, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for the people to use to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. And then jumping over some other verses. The young lions roar for the prayer, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to the work and their labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is a sea, great and wide, creeping things innumerable, living things both great and small. There, are, there go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open our, your hand, they are filled with good things. See the generosity of our God. See how generous God is. And if you doubt it, when you walk out of church, just look up towards Howard Knob and just see the beauty of God's creation. God is love, and therefore God is generous. And because we are followers of God and Jesus Christ, we're called to be Godlike by being generous. Here now, the text for the day from Acts chapter 2, where we see folks that are living in to this image of what it means to be like Jesus. They, the disciples, the first believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were done among by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. These verses come from uh, the end of, well, what we celebrate is Pentecost Sunday, the very first day in the life of the church. And we might recall Pentecost, the Spirit mightily came down upon those disciples, and Peter boldly proclaimed, and thousands came to the Lord. And then Luke winds up that day by sharing what a church ideally looks like, that, that, what the church was as a spirit came upon them and infused them with power. For when the spirit came, we know that the very presence of Jesus came into the midst. Jesus himself was there with them. Jesus was in their midst, empowering them to live like him. And we know when one part of the Trinity comes into our midst, we receive it all. I was reading uh, just the other day 
by a woman whose name is hard to pronounce, and I'm, I know I'm going to butcher it, but it's Mickchild of Marlborg. Say that fast three times. Mickchild of Marlborg. And she was a mystic from the uh, 12th century, and she talks about that when we experience God, we get all of God coming into our lives, the, the mis- mystery of the Father, uh, the compassion and care of the Son being poured into us as a spirit focuses outwardly to go out into the world to show the compassion of Christ. So when the Spirit came down upon these disciples, all of God was there in their midst. And we see wonderful things happen. When Vern and I were talking about this text, he told me something I hadn't heard before, that this set of scriptures, Acts 2, 42 through 47, were the theme verses or are the theme verses of Crossroads. When Crossroads first started, this is the text that they worked through for several weeks to show what they wanted to become. It should be what we all want to become, right? Real briefly, what happened? The Spirit came, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they showed that they were hungry to learn more about this Jesus, who these disciples were teaching about, what the implications of God becoming man was. And so, they wanted to learn more, so they, day by day they learned. And we got to ask ourselves, do we long to learn more about Jesus? Are we devoted to growing in our knowledge and wisdom of Christ? And then uh, they said they fellowship together. They love to be with each other. And, and I, you know, I love that about this congregation. We love to be with each other. We love the fellowship together. If you don't believe me, just after church, go down the adult wing where Sunday school classes are being offered and... They love to fellowship with one another. They, these classes are exploding. We're out of room for new Sunday school classes, y'all. That's a good problem to have. So they love to fellowship. And they gather together to pray regularly. And y'all, uh, prayer is something that we have to be about as a church. And all churches need to be. If we're spirit-filled churches. We want to gather together to pray for the needs of the saints, but also pray for the empowerment and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And they broke bread together. And, the, and scholars are going to argue what this means. Some said that they ate dinner together. Some said they broke communion together. My way of understanding it is this. It's like a good southern cover dish dinner at a country church. And then after dinner, they had communion together. That, that's what they were doing. They, they loved to eat together because when you eat together, something happens, right? You have fellowship. Hearts are, broken, are, are open to each other. Hearts are made wide to one another as you break bread together and share in some good old-fashioned southern gospel bird called fried chicken. Yeah, that, you know, that, that's something that, I don't know if they had fried chicken, but they gathered together. And then did you see what it says? They were generous. They were generous. The Spirit came upon them, and no one had any need because everybody gave to the mutual needs of one another so that all were taken care of, all were blessed. Gerhard Kohlhardt, in his commentary about Acts, says this, the presence of the Spirit can be seen either by how one is giving with one's possessions or one how does not give one's possessions. For you see, when Jesus comes, when you meet Jesus, you're going to be generous. We see this earlier on in, in Luke's writing. In the gospel, a little man named Zacchaeus, right, comes down that little tree. And when Jesus said, I've got to come to your house today, what does 
immediately Zacchaeus say, half of everything I have, I give away. I give to the poor. Half of everything. Wow. Remember what we said about generosity last week, if you all can recall that. Generosity isn't charity, though that's commendable. Generosity isn't just giving just a little bit so that some others uh, can experience a little blessing. No, generosity is described in the Bible is sacrificial. It is offering something that costs us something, changing our lifestyle. And we see that in Acts. Just a few chapters later, my buddy Barnabas sells a field and gives not just a, a portion of the proceeds, not just a tenth of the proceeds. Now, he gives it all to the work of God in the church. He gives it all away. We see later on in the New Testament where we hear about them caring for widows and orphans. As you look in the book of Timothy where, where the widows were taken care of in their midst. And in, in Corinthians, here's Paul talking to the Corinthian church about meeting the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he says to them, hey, y'all are well off here in Corinth. Let me tell you about those folks in Macedonia did. Poor as they are, as severely tested as they are, for the sake of the joy they gave beyond their ability to give so that others will know the blessings of Christ. And as I've said to Crossroads, I'll say to you, I can hear the folks in Tallahassee, Alabama saying, guys, these are meal rights, y'all. If we can do it, you can too. And we see how the generosity of the early Christians made a difference in, the, in Rome, at the, in the uh, church at Rome, Paul's writing, and there's a guy named Erasma, Erasius that is mentioned there in the final greetings. And we read in uh, archaeological diggings of Corinth, because Erasius is what the head of public works in Corinth. We read in something that was discovered that this Erasius made, made, made a donation so that the city streets in Corinth could be paved. The generosity extended beyond just what was going on in the church. It made a difference in the world around it. It made the world a better place. And the world was changed because of the generosity of Christians. Don't believe me. If you read about the history of the rise of the church, it had everything going against it. Everything going against it. Christianity formed in a backwater region where uh, the Romans just despised the, the Jewish nation because of their rebellious and backwardness. They faced opposition from the major religions of the day. Uh, the Romans worshipped many of the same gods that the Greeks did. There is Mithraism, which was the popular religion of the Roman legions because it was a masculine religion, and, and the, the, the legions sought to be tough. This is what we had to do. There are the mystery religions and Gnosticism that offered a compelling vision of the afterlife, similar to Christianity. And, of course, there's great persecution going on against Christians. It had every reason not to succeed. And in the first and second centuries after the birth of Jesus, well, Christianity was a minority religion, but by the third century, over half the empire was Christian. Why? They were generous. They were generous. Rodney Stark, in his 
book about the rise of Christianity says this. Into the brutal age of the Roman Empire, Christians came to show a different light. Where there were orphans and there were widows, the Christians took them in. Where there was people that were lonely and estranged because of the, the mobility of the people the time or people being enslaved and sent to a different way, it was the Christians who welcomed them home. Those who were sick and who were dying, who nursed them back to health or nursed them from this life to the next? It was the Christians. And we read that in Roman times, oftentimes women babies, late girls, when a girl was born, they'd say, oh, we, this is going to be nothing but trouble. And so they would take the baby girl and put it in the trash heap as human waste. And who would come and dig through the garbage to rescue those babies? Christians. Taking the girl babies into their homes. And the world took notice of the generous nature of the Christians. They not only made a difference, they made the world a different place. And that's the legacy we've inherited. Because you see, people notice when we're generous. We're drawn to generosity. We're drawn to those who give and who are open in spirit and in heart and in giving. Don't believe me? Christmas is coming, right? I was in a store yesterday and it was covered over with Christmas decorations. And you're going to hear about Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And let me ask you, would you be drawn to the Scrooge before he encountered the ghost or the Scrooge that was so joyful, as light as a feather, giddy as a drunken man? Why? Because his heart was open, he was generous. People are drawn to generosity. And this is a generous church. This is a generous church. And I'm a, we're appealing to your better nature through the Because We Care campaign. We, you show that you care. You show that you're generous. This church is one of the founding churches of the Hospitality House so that the homeless in, in our area and in the surrounding areas, have a place to go. You show you're generous because I've been told, anyway, that we're one of the few churches that have a community response team, that we're people that uh, need help with rent or power bills or hospital bills. This is one of the few churches that says, yeah, we, we'll do what we can to help get you on your feet. We, we show uh, that we are generous by this beautiful firewood ministry, which still needs volunteers, by the way, uh, going out week after week delivering cords of wood to people who heat their homes with firewood. We show that we're generous in that way. And our Thursday night dinners, they were established first and primarily to feed the hungry folks in our community, those who are food insecure. That was why that ministry was established. In this very place in which you're sitting, from the very outset, when y'all built this building 23 years ago, you built it to be a hub for the community to come. You built it to be a place where folks could meet in a safe place, a warm place, a place that was welcoming and friendly. 
And so we do. I mean, we host innumerable groups, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, AA groups. We, we host uh, all sorts of support groups. We, we host sewing groups. We host about anybody who wants to come here. We make time. We make this place available so people have a place to come, a place to come. And, of course, you all are so wise, not only to somehow obtain the land behind us, but to make a trail. You heard Jeremy and Kit say, hey, we're on this beautiful trail. This is in a church. How cool is that? And how can we enhance that? Well, y'all, if we're going to be, uh, continue to be generous in the future, if we're going to continue to have a wonderful preschool that Catherine Milner's uh, headed up for the past few years, well, we've got things we've got to do. We've got to do. We, we need uh, to fix up and maintain this facility so that it continues to be welcoming. We've got to make sure that this place is heated in the, sum- in the summer, yeah, yeah, heated in the winter and cooled in the summer. We've got to do those things. That, that's necessity. And if we pay down our indebtedness and pay, or pay it totally off, that's going to free up over $65,000 a year so that we can have this ministry to feed our community, to, to help those who are food insecure come at least once, maybe even twice a week to, to experience a meal, and that expands our ability to have table fellowship with each other. And, of course, the after-school care that you've heard about. There are kids that need a place to go after school is out. Unmet need in our community. And we can help these children and parents who are struggling have a place where they feel loved, a place they experience Jesus. And so as we do these things, guess what? We're showing what God's like. We're showing that the nature of God who's loving is demonstrated through generosity. We're becoming like Jesus. We're showing what the nature of this loving God, how he expresses himself into the world. I close, of course, with a story. You know, that's kind of what I do a lot of times. And this is a story I told uh, to that group that Jeremy was talking about that met about a week and a half ago. That was the leaders of your church who, who gathered together. And as I uh, said last week, they, uh, 30 uh, commitment cards were turned in, average Increase of 79%. Several of those, uh, 10 of those, uh, were over 100% increase in what they were giving to the life of this congregation, demonstrating what Jesus is like. But I told this story. I love stories, and I think this is a pretty cool one. A rabbi told a story about this farmer who had two sons, and uh, the farmer from their earliest ages of these boys, got them out in the field to uh, work the land and, and raise the livestock and to cut the, the wheat and harvest. And they, these boys just grew up in their daddy's shadow as, as he taught them to be farmers. Well, when the father grew aged, the boys took over. And when he died, they loved working together so much that they, they formed a partnership. And they, they agreed that we would split everything down the middle. I mean, half is yours, half is mine. We're, we're going to do this. And as time went on, uh, they both prospered. Now, the older brother, he never married. 
and was an old bachelor farmer. But the younger brother, well, he married and had eight wonderful children. Well, one year they had a bumper crop, an abundance of a harvest. And the older brother one night thought to himself, you know, uh, this ain't right. You know, I, here I am, an old bachelor farmer with just me and myself, and my poor brother, he has 10 miles of feed. It, it's not right, and I know that he's not going to renegotiate. He's too fair to do that. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in my barn at night, and I'm going to grab up some sacks of grain, and I'm going to go sneak into his barn and place them in there and then sneak back. And, and so he began to do that. Well, all the while, his Younger brother began to think to himself, you know, it just ain't right. It's not fair. I've got all these wonderful children to take care of me in my old age. And my, old, my older brother, he's a bachelor. And when he gets old, he's not going to have these, these kids to take care of him. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up at night and I'm going to take some grain from my barn. And I'm going to sneak into his barn and I'm going to place the grain in there. And so this went on for weeks. And each morning after the brothers got up, they'd go to the barn to look in there and they'd say, how did this happen? I've got the same amount of grain in my barn that as I had before I took it to my brother. God must be working a miracle. Well, one night when the moon was full and there was not a cloud in the sky, as they were walking between uh, the field, uh, in between their farms, they see each other. And meeting there in the middle, they realized what was happening. And those loving brothers dropped their sacks of grain, and they embraced. And the old rabbis say that on that cloudless night, where the moon was shining down upon those brothers who were embracing there in the field between their farms, it began to rain. And the rabbi said, it was the tears of God weeping down from heaven. For he said two of his children realized that generosity is the primary characteristic of the holy. And we who are created in the image of God, we realize joy in our life when we're generous. Friends, God's house needs rebuilding because the rabbi said at the close of that that on that spot Solomon built his temple. So, are we going to know the joy of rebuilding God's house by being generous? And are others going to know about Jesus because of the way we generously give the work the loving work of his kingdom in this place, in this time. It's up to you all. And so before I invite you down to make a commitment, and I just want to say those that, here, that are here visiting, we're not asking you to come forward. I mean, this is the work of the people who are connected to this church, who attend this church, who are members of this church. But if you're visiting here, particularly if you're here for the very first time, uh, just reflect upon how God's calling you to be generous with your life and pray for this congregation because if we're going to continue the work of the Lord in this place, well, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens here today.
So I'm going to take a moment while Kathy plays to reflect upon how God's calling you uh, to be, well, more like him. If you do not have a commitment card and would like one, our ushers are ready and able to give you one right now. But we're going to take a second just to prayerfully consider, God, what are you calling me to do? And then I'll lead the way. Actually, the children led the way this morning. Uh, Put my card in here. I'm going to take a moment to pray. You're invited to do that too. We're going to bless the commitments and then send you forth uh, praising God together. So let's just take a moment to prayerfully consider how God is leading each of us to be generous.
Lord, we are grateful for each person who is showing what you're like by being generous. We pray that you bless the offerings of your people so that the world might know Jesus because of what we are doing here today. Father, we pray your blessings upon this congregation so that we can go out into the world offering the love of Christ in the ministries of this congregation, but also, Lord, by the way, each and every one of us generously gives of ourselves in the lives of other people. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to do your work in and through us for the glory of your name and so that others will know you through us. All this we ask through the greatest gift given to the world, Jesus Christ. Amen.